I want to draw your attention here this morning to the book of Luke, chapter number 11, while you're turning there in your Bibles. Everybody say picnic. Everybody said picnic. Um, our annual church picnic is going to be on Sunday, July 2nd. We want you to invite your enemies. You don't have any good. Invite your friends. Invite your neighbors. Invite your coworkers. Invite the devil. Let's beat him up a little bit while he's there. Um, we want everybody. We're going to have live music. We're going to have a great time. How many people, am I the only one in my elderly condition that loves to do the cornhole where you throw the little bags? Where's Brother Leon? He's like a universal champion. Of, there he is. I see you back there. We are going to have a um, our annual cornhole championship. Um, so you're going to want to come with your everything going there. Last year we got rained out, blown out by the wind, and we are coming back with a vengeance. They're saying it's going to be 90 degrees and bright sunshine. So bring your sombrero. Bring your sombrero. Bring your neighbors. Bring your relatives. Bring, bring everybody. We're going to have a great time. Brother and Sister Hartley, welcome home. Oh, I love these people and uh, love this family so very, very much. And it's good to see them today in Jesus' name. All right, everybody got a cell phone? Pull it out. Pull out your cell phone and hold it up. Let's turn it off. That is, that is an obnoxious insult to the presence of God. I don't care what Joe Biden is doing. God save the queen. I don't care what anybody else is doing. Nobody is as important. But we're not used to a pastor doing this. Welcome to Cornerstone. We do it here. Now, if you're, if you're a caretaker and... You've got to have, someone's got to be able to get a hold of you, put it on, vibrate, stick it in your back pocket so you'll be sure to feel it when it goes off. I totally understand and get that. But this phone business. I don't even bring my phone to church. I recommend everybody do the same, but that's, we'll save that for a later time. Luke, chapter number 11, verse number 9 says this. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Now in my Bible, this is in red, which means this is the Lord Jesus. This is found not only here in Luke, it's also found in the book of Matthew. But Jesus is saying, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, 
and it shall be opened unto you. Notice, notice the increase of exertion. Ask is something you can do just right there, standing right there where you're standing. Seek means I'm going to put some prayer into it. And knocking means I'm going to put a lot of prayer into it. But it shall be opened unto you. Look at verse 10. For every one that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. Now this is a commentary of the previous verse. Okay? Everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And everybody said amen. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? This is a rather ridiculous rhetorical question, greatly rhetorical. Or if he asks a fish, will he give, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer a scorpion? If ye then, being capable of evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And I want to simply talk to us for a few minutes. I'm not going not to preach long today, but... Um, in honor of Father's Day, I simply want to entitle this, Asking the Father. Asking the Father. God, we love you. We praise you. Your spirit, your word, your people, your mercy, your grace, your goodness, your love. All of the aspects of your eternal paternity that is manifested in this house. Father, I pray that every life that is here is able to receive from you. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. Right before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand, and then you may be seated. This guy right here, you in the black, stand up. Leave your arms there. No, leave your arms like that. Go ahead and stand up. Put your arms where they were. Didn't you put them through your arms? Yeah. How did you do that? His sister went to shake his hands, and he wouldn't move his arms. I thought, that's pretty cool. That's something I would have done. You may be seated. Thank you. This incredible passage of Scripture several days ago, actually it was Thursday, I felt like the Holy Ghost quickened just this 
snapshot of a passage that we've read here from verse number 9 to verse number 13. Quickened this passage of Scripture to me, most notably because the word Father is in here. And if you look very quickly in verse number 13, that capital F is used on that Father. We're just talking about God. And if you look at Father in verse number 11, it's a small f, which denotes that it is talking about humanity, or more specifically, it appears that Jesus was addressing his disciples. But human agency. And so this is a big deal. It is part of a larger context in Matthew's account, it is theologically known as part of the Sermon on the Mount, a very important body of kingdom information. What is unique about the Sermon on the Mount, it is incredibly practical, it's behavioral, it is talking about a lot of aspects of personal consecration and dedication. Once you're in the kingdom, there's very little that Jesus actually ministered in his earthly ministry that could be applicable to the here and now. We have to understand that. The pedagogy or the teaching style of Jesus was casting to the future where People would be in the kingdom of God, and they would be reading this, and it would be very, very applicable at that point. In Matthew's account, there is more than a few nuances that are not found here in Luke 11, but there's a very interesting one that's relevant to this this morning that's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 7. And Brother Tristan, Brother Tristan, is that your wife up there? They are happily married. That's so sweet to have your wife helping you. Just please pay attention. I know that her beauty has captivated you. And her fragrance is like a thousand bouquets. But please, we have work to do for the kingdom. Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 7. But when ye pray, notice the, the, the context here is absolute, actually the absolute same as it is in Luke chapter number 11. And this is found there. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions. I remember when I first got saved, I didn't have a revelation of the scripture, and my prayer life was very short. Um, it went something like, Jesus, I love you, glory to God, hallelujah. I didn't have big old lists because I, I didn't have a lot of experiences in God. And so my, my prayer, my little runway was more of a helicopter pad 
and it was glory to God, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. And it became vain repetitions. Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Heathen, of course, are people that are unregenerated, that are living under the banner and auspices of superstition, of thinking that, you know, I just got to keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it, and maybe something will come to pass. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Look at the next verse. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Now this, this is, when you overlay this with the scripture that we've used for our text, if God already knows what I need, but I'm told to ask, Now this, I'm even presenting to you um, a rhetorical question, but I'm doing this because I want us to think a little bit about this this morning. If God already knows what I have need of, but he's telling me to ask and seek and knock, why would God do that? I understand your silence, but make no mistake about it, God knows exactly what he's doing. How's that for an understatement? God knows exactly what he's doing. I think what we're seeing here in a lot of, especially this when it's talking about prayer and, and some other things, but I want to stay focused on prayer, is that we are getting a biblical understanding about God's ways. Look at your neighbor and say God's ways. And God's ways are not always completely revealed through Scripture. Obviously, some are, but you are seeing what the Bible is saying about God's ways. Now, God can be known through his word. God can be known through his ways. And we can also know God's will, God's word, God's ways, and God's will. And as you mature in the kingdom of God, and the thing that makes you mature is not all right, I've been sitting on this pew uh, for exactly 30 years. That's only part of it. The thing that helps you to mature is what Romans chapter 5 calls experience. Experience. Trials, tribulations, people, um, valleys, mountaintops, life. You cannot live in a cave and spiritually mature. You cannot live in isolation. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus called him 
wicked and unprofitable servant. He, he isolated his talent, his abilities, his giftedness, and isolated himself away from the others. And Jesus was against that. In fact, not good at all. The thing that helps people to mature are relationships. I remember one time many, many years ago, my pastor using the illustration of um, putting a bunch of rocks in a cement mixer. And I'll never forget this. I mean, in my mind, I still remember so many things just sitting on a pew that my pastor taught. And he was talking about that the church of the living God is a little about, is a little like God getting a shovel and, and putting it into a big pile of rocks and then putting it in the cement mixer and turning the cement mixer on and walking away. And then coming back and turning off the cement mixer turning it over, and look at all the jagged, rough, undefined areas. The rocks that were jagged are now smooth and well-worn and are beautiful. And that's kind of like the church. And... If God already knows what I need, but he's going to let need be there. It means that he wants a relationship. Right? That, that should be your deduction. Why would God do that? It's because God uses need to get us into position so he can get to know us and we can get to know him. Isn't that awesome? I think that's I think that's wonderful. I mean, that is why I'm here. I mean, I just love everybody that's here. and Some of you, I could just run out there right now and give you a holy headlock. I mean, a hug. And just love all over you. But I want God. And the reality is you want God. We all want God. But what God is revealing to us is that you have to continue to be open because if I if I continue to be open, and I continue to allow my hunger 
my desire, my wanting to know God. Stick with me. The needs change. And not only do the needs change, but I change. Let's just love him for a minute. Because that's really what you and I are after as fellow human beings members in particular in the body of Christ, all of us, we want more God. Is there anybody that's satisfied with the amount of God you have? I love it. I love where I'm at. And I run up the aisles, and I was back there in, that, in the back 40 back there, and somebody was looking at me like, how many, pa- how many, how many laps is this guy going to take? I love it. I love to worship God. I, I, I love it. I love all of it. But make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, I would rather spend 30 minutes at his feet than 30 laps Let's just praise him a little bit here today. We're, we're not trying to trick you. We're trying to show you how easy it is to develop an ever-deepening, glorious, powerful, magnificent, never-ending relationship with God. This morning, both my wife and I are early risers. I think I was up at 5. My wife got up shortly after I got up. We had a cup of coffee together. As soon as, as, it, as, soon as it was 6 o'clock, my wife made a phone call. She said, oh, i got to call my dad. No, her mom and dad are not early risers. It was 9 o'clock where her mom and dad lived. And she FaceTimed her mom and dad. Unfortunately, her mom, when her mom answered the phone, we were staring at her mother's ear. You know, old people don't know how to use this technology. We were talking to an ear. And it was eerie. It was, it was very eerie. Then her dad came into view, and it was Happy Father's Day, and and on they went. I went into, uh, it's the only room in the house that you could call a man cave. Not really a man cave, but it's kind of mine. It's where I go to pray. 
And I prayed, started talking to God. My wife and her mom and dad were still on the phone when I got done praying. She could talk to her mom and dad. She was talking to her dad. She absolutely adores her dad. She talked to her dad, and they talked, 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 and they talked. It didn't even sound like they were talking about anything important, but they were talking and talking and talking and talking. That's the kind of relationship they have. My wife has the kind of relationship with her mom and dad that they can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And then I just walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. But I am in awe of a relationship. Literally, I was sitting in the other room, honey, and I was thinking, I have no idea what that's like. I have no idea what that's like to have that kind of a relationship with your mom and dad. It's absolutely foreign to me. And I've heard her other times, they're just, they laugh, they talk, it gets serious, it gets lighthearted, they laugh some more. I was going to call my dad earlier this morning, but he was sleeping, he's 95. My dad holds the record for the shortest phone conversation with his children in the world. What's the, what's the weather like up there? Well, it's all right. It's about 70. We've had this. We've had that. All right, I got to be going. Now, I do not believe in putting your mom and dad down. I don't care how bad your mom and dad were. The very first commandment with promise is to honor your father and mother. Whether they, whatever they did to me, that's under the blood but I'm going to honor them because I wouldn't be here without a father and without a mother. Somebody needs to hear this preaching right now. In fact, you're not even going to be saved unless you get the bitterness and the resentment out of your heart over the way you were treated and say, you know what, God, and convert that into compassion. Somebody help me out right now and start praying for your father and your mother. lot of people in this world that look at authority like they looked at their parents. And more specifically, they've, they've discovered this, that, that people have a tendency to look at God a lot as, as, as a way that they were treated by their father, the authority figure in their life. Are you with me this morning? I'm not going to preach long. That ought to make you happy. If I feel like you're not happy, I'll just preach longer. I'm just kidding. I'm in a good mood today because it's Father's Day. And I just love God. And I just love you. And I love myself. And I love everything. And the only one I hate is the devil. I don't even hate the world. I pray for the world. But you got to understand that there are people in this world 
that have a tendency to look at God like they did their parents. This is exactly why Jesus said, you being capable of evil. This illustration is timeless. Jesus said, if your child comes asking for bread, would you give him a stone? In the 21st century, we have some mixed up parents in this world. And they are doing something to kids' minds. I might be preaching to somebody here this morning. You might have been raised in a situation where you didn't feel loved and you didn't feel safe and you didn't feel protected. I want to tell you, when you come in contact with God, God will never abandon you. God will never forsake you. In fact, when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. It is part of the human mechanism that we have a tendency to view authority the way that we were treated by our parents and then ultimately ultimately how we view God. Here we are 22 centuries later after this was written and Jesus is absolutely neutralizing the mistreatment of any parent. He's putting, it, he's putting it in its proper place. Maybe you needed something, but you got something else. Maybe you wanted a hug, but you got a slap. Maybe, maybe you, you, you really wanted a fostering relationship, and you got abuse. But I'm going to tell you something. You're in a place here this morning where God will love you. God will embrace you. God will never let go of you. You ain't got an excuse not to live for God. None of us have an excuse not to live for God. None of us have an excuse not to trust him. None of us. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Come on, let this place roar with the praise of reality that we serve a loving father. I want to tell you, in the 21st century, this is becoming a deal. I am just absolutely mortified by some of the things that I see in the news. And it always includes some parent that became demon-possessed or is mentally ill or, or listens to the wrong voices and ends up harming their own children. Nothing, nothing gets to my guts like that. And so we're living in the midst of an entire culture and and sociologists and historians are telling us that as this as this generation uh, that's been exposed to pornography since they were three four five years old they've been abused they've been subjugated to to, to chaos and destruction and to violence and they continue they continue that it's going to be an absolute mess I want to tell you what the church's role is going to be in the 21st century it's not just going to be dancing around oblivious to what's going on this is going to be an oasis to this entire region in the 21st century that there is a God that will love you and heal you and deliver you.
if you stick around long enough. That little cell phone that's off in your pocket has, has programmed an entire culture. And you want to know what the first thing, I'm going to talk about this in another, another message. But the very first thing it's programmed you on, if I want it now, I can have it now. Numerology is an incredible study in the Word of God. And it's, it's real. It's a real deal. Numerology has a supernatural aspect. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4, in the fullness of time. Kairos, God sent forth his son. Jesus interrupted chronology, interrupted creation. But the number 40, 40 years, 40 days, six days of creation. I could go on all morning. The point is, If you're going to be, if you're going to get anywhere in your relationship with God, you have to accept his time frame. And that is extremely difficult for people in the 21st century because that little piece of plastic in your pocket is a constant reminder that you can have anything, any bit of data and information you want on the fly. And if you don't get what you want, I can always resort to compulsive behavior, even if it's self-destructive. At least, at least all, the, all the natural chemicals in my body that give pleasure can flow in my body, and I can fantasize and escape the reality of my day. That person is going to hell unless they get the revelation that I need, to get, I need to get real and start asking, seeking, and knocking and build a relationship with my God, and God will change. This is truth whether you accept it or not. And you will perpetually to walk in circles like the nation of Israel did till we get down and realize I'm going to have to get a relationship with God and I'm going to have to get my flesh under control. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care... I'm going to have to get down and start growing up. I'm going to have to mature. I'm going to have to be what God wants me to be. Maturity is not hard. Maturity, supernaturally, simply means in everything, I go to God. What halts maturity is when we continue to go back to little human crutches and human things to get me through a situation in my life instead of truly trusting God, instead of really trusting his word, instead of asking, seeking, and knocking. God, I don't like you. I don't like where I'm at. And here I am. God says, I know. I know exactly where you're at. God, here I am again. I'm just going to ask, I'm going to seek, and I'm going to knock. I'm not going anywhere. God snapped his finger and says, devil! I want you to see that right there.
Let's lift our hands and give God praise. God's going to help you. But you got to kick your flesh out of the driver's seat and realize you're going to be lost. And you're not going to be lost because you didn't know the truth. You're going to be lost because you didn't do the truth. There's a big difference between not knowing, well, I don't like this, Pastor. It's getting negative. Can we get rid of all that? I can't help if it pushes some button that was, that was formulated in your past that I had nothing to do. I'm here to preach truth. I am not here to brutalize people. I'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not here to put anybody down. But we need to deal with some things that just comes down to laziness and carnality and worldliness. And as long as you got a little pill, I'm not going to pray. I'm going to tell you, God says, I already know about that issue. And I'm going to give you a brand new situation if you'll draw nigh unto me and build a relationship with me. It's okay to have a relationship with the doctor. It's okay to have a relationship with people. It's okay to have a relationship with people. But God, you're basing that on something that was programmed into you by authority figures in your life that brutalized you. That's not my God. My God is a lover. My God is a healer. My God is a savior. I'm going to come down here where you all are. My God is a way maker. But we want, we want God to make a way while I'm sitting there playing Xbox. And if God don't make a way, well, I guess I'll just keep playing. And I don't need him anyway because I got food in the refrigerator. I got a job that I can pay my bills. I got a roof over my head. Honey, I'm going to tell you, if God really loves you, he's going to invade your space. He's going to create a need so he can bring you out with the power God loves you, he's going to create a need. Some of us have got to be really careful that we're not bitter against Pastor Jeff. That woundedness didn't happen in this church. Because I'm going to do everything I can to minimize. That ain't going to happen in this church. Well, you know, I, they run in this church. Yeah, I run. They shout in this church. Yeah, I shout. They lift their hands. The Bible says to lift up holy hands. The Bible says you can run through a troop and leap over a wall. That's with problems. That's with needs. That's with having unanswered situations. That is having unsolved deals. That is having unraveled problems. That is having, because you have already learned through experience that if I'll keep asking and I'll keep seeking and I'll keep knocking, he's going to bring me out. I rebuke immaturity. Change your diapers. Get beyond where you are and realize. Come on, mom and dad, help me out. Clap your hands. Give God the praise. Time to get on down the road. I'm really trying. Thank you, Brother Martin. Do you have you still have that big wad of keys? You're down to one? Man, I remember Brother Martin used to take a lap. And I was worried that big old metal thing was gonna hit some sister's hairdo. This is what I saw in my mind's eye. It's just fear, okay? 
but he's going to run. His keychain's going to hook onto some Pentecostal woman's do. It's going to yank her wig off, and it's going to be a disaster. But he's only down to one key, so run on, brother. You know what? If you haven't taken a lap in a long time, you don't know what you're missing. And what really hurts the devil, I'm talking about messing with the devil. I'm not talking about messing with people. I'm trying to encourage the body. you got way more really happening than we really recognize. What happens is, I'm not saying you got to run until you're on oxygen and, Pastor, I'm not going to make it. I, I ran 70 laps. Well, don't be stupid. Just run a lap and take it. At my age, I end up way over there. And on my third lap this morning, I looked at Brother Abby back there. Brother Abby Stan, this wonderful specimen of masculinity. And I told him, I said, yeah, and I'm still going to preach. That devil is not going to keep me down. He is not going to take my shout. He is not going to take my victory. He is not going to take my praise. He is not going to put a frown on my face. He's not going to put bitterness in my heart. He is not going to put ugliness in my spirit. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. I'm almost done. Hallelujah. Well, what one brother used to tell me at the Rock Church, hallelujah. We were just being stupid. Hallelujah. And then another guy said, not Melaleuca, hallelujah. <laughs> we needed help. Lots of help. More Holy Ghost. <laughs> The more Holy Ghost we got, the stranger we acted. You know, we weren't acting strange. It was joy. That's what's wrong with a lot of churches. They got the doctrine, but they got no joy. You're not going to sell this thing on just doctrine. You're going to attract this lost and dying world by the power of celebration and the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Not Malaluka. That is so stupid. So, okay, Pastor. I've been doing what you're saying and nothing's happening. Go to James chapter 4, please. You have not because you ask not. Next verse. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. I'm going to tell you the prayer request that God always honors. I want more God. 99.9% of the time, the thing that will change your situation more than anything is not more money. Man, I, I read the story of one of these guys that um, the state that he was in had a lottery, these big lottery deals. There's probably people in this church play the lottery. 
pay your tithe. Dude, if you win Powerball, you better pay your tithe. We're going to be at your door. I'm just having fun. That's gambling, ladies and gentlemen. But there was a guy, there was a guy that won the Powerball, hundreds of millions, and they did a study. You know, the Bible says a fool and his money. And and the guy, the guy's life, he was absolutely miserable. And and was quoted as saying something like, man, I wish I was back, just, you know. <laughs> Just running a Motel 6 and like Tom Bodette, keeping the light on for folks. And, man, my life was just, seemed like it was so much easier, so much more. I, money is not the answer. Another, another relationship is not the answer. More drugs is not the answer. More, more of the world is not the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, God knew it from the beginning. The answer is more God. I got to have more God. And that really is why we're asking. We're not asking for any of that. I got to have more of you. I got to have more God. I want to have more power. I want more love. I want more spirit. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. I want more of you. sing a song, they sing it and I scream it, less of me and more of you. I get sick of me real easy. Don't say amen. Man, that's a pastor. He ain't supposed to say, hey, is that you, Brother Clark? Brother Clark. My. Man, that make an angel blush, brother. Brother Clark needs more God. We all, we all need more God. That's why you're here. No, I wanted to go to a fashion show. Is there anybody thinking that way, brother Bradford? Did you lift your hand? You and Brother Clark are sitting right across from each other. What's going on over there? Man, this is like a three-legged dog race. What's happening back there? Brother David, I don't know what to do right now. I'm just kind of. I, I came because I love the music. I understand. The music here is par excellente. I'm here I'm here for the same reason you're here. I want more God. I love him. Why don't we just lift our hands and love him for a little bit? Everybody in the building, that's why you're really here. I don't I didn't come to church to get a theology degree. I came here. I want to be in his presence where there's pleasures forevermore. I want to be at his right hand. I want to know him. I want to feel him. I want to love him. I want to be in his presence. I want to, I want him.
Jesus gave us the answer in red and white. If ye then, being capable of evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give Holy Spirit? Yeah, but I was asking for more money. Yeah, but I was asking for the IRS to leave me alone. I was asking for... The prayer that he will always answer is give more of himself. Let's lift our hands and love him. I want more God. I want less of me and more of him. I want less of this world and I want more of him. Come on, let's just take a moment here. I'm almost done. I promise you I'm at the finish line. Well, Pastor, that's not really my, isn't it amazing? Pastor, that's not really my problem. You know, my problem is A, B, C, D, E, and, and them, and they, and not the pronouns of a woke generation. We still use the traditional ones. This and that, and them, and they, and him, her. I got problems. I got issues. Isn't it amazing after we come out of the prayer room? Let's talk about your problem. What problem? Oh, oh, yeah. What happened? What happened is we got down somewhere and started asking, started seeking, started knocking, and the God of heaven came in there and said, I know what you needed all along. You just needed an exalted perspective to realize that I'm in charge of everything, and I'm going to take care of everything, and I'm going to hide under the wings, the everlasting wings of my Father. Isn't it amazing that Jesus knew before he ever started this dialogue that the answer was going to be the Holy Spirit? I'd like to introduce to you the identity of the Holy Spirit. Would you go to Luke chapter 24? I believe it's verse number 46. 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father. What? It's Father's Day. And what would make the Father so happy is that he could fill another life today. We've got, we've got a baptism. Sister Kim, what's your friend's name? Yeah, this, this wonderful gentleman who's been coming here three or four weeks, he's going to get baptized today in Jesus' name. Yeah. 
Listen, friend, when you come out of that water, you focus on the Father. Don't focus on problems. Don't focus on expectations. Don't focus on anything else. Just say, I want the Father. I want the Father. I want more of the Father. I got to have the Father. The promise of my Father. Acts chapter 1, verse number 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise, not from the Father, which would make the Father a unique individual separate from this equation, but it is the Father. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that the Father creates needs. So we can have a relationship with the Father. Let's lift our hands. I wonder if there's somebody. All you have to do is ask. That's not asking amiss. That's on target, always on target. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, Father. I want to know you. I want to draw close to you. I want to be, I want, I, 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 I want a deeper walk with you. I want a deeper prayer with you. I want a deeper, a deeper life with you. I want you, God. I want you, God. I want you, God. I want you, God. Let's stand. Musicians, would you please come? I have learned, ministering this here this morning, I have learned that the reality of life, living for God, comes down to a relationship with the Father. In an audience this size here, are the singers coming? I'm going to sing a little song here this afternoon. When it's all said and done, I want more of him. And all the situations in your life, even if they're self-induced, even if they're the causation with self, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll allow the human agency that has the potential of giving that child a stone or giving that child a serpent or giving that child. We'll let that part of our nature say, you ain't got no business talking to the Father. You ain't got no business drawing to God. You ain't got no business. Listen, I'm here to, I'm here to shatter the myth of carnal reasoning. I'm here to tell you, even if you're a prodigal, the Old Testament forbade an old man to run. It's in the book of Proverbs that it is unsightly for an old man to run. But let me show you the father's response if somebody wants to come home. Let's lift our hands. The father is here. The father is here. Why don't you just step out wherever you are in this audience here today. Come on, let's, let's, let's sing a song. Let's sing a song. Come on, come on. This altar is open. Why don't you come? Come on, come on, come on.
pastor, I need a person in my life. I need a girlfriend. I need a boyfriend. No, you don't. You need more God. Because you're going to make the wrong choice. And God knows that. Come on. Come on. I'm inviting everybody into this altar today because this whole congregation wants more of him. Listen, when we come up here, let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voices. Let's give him praise. God, I'm going to ask. I want more of you. I want more of you, God. Listen to me.